Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Progressive Field in Cleveland. It's the Indians 3, the Oakland Athletics 4. Oakland takes it in extra innings, and they take the first game of the series. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. And you got to admit, this was a good baseball game last night. Unfortunately, the Indians just come out on the losing end of it. And the big storyline to me on this one, even though Tristan McKenzie, we definitely are going to talk about how he pitched on the day. To me, the big storyline on this one is the battle of the bullpens. And my God, is Oakland's bullpen really, really good. These are two of the better bullpens in all of baseball. Uh, There's a couple of different ways we could look at this. I'm over on fan graphs right now. And if we look at this based on war, the Cleveland bullpen comes in in ninth in baseball. Tampa Bay would be the best at 6.1 wins above replacement war. Uh, Indians jump jump in at ninth at 3.5 war. Oakland is actually pretty down here as far as war goes. They're 17th at 1.9. But if we jump over to something like win probability added, uh, suddenly these numbers change a little bit here. Tampa Bay, I believe, is still number one at 6.97. Cleveland actually checks in at the second best bullpen based on win probability added at 5.55. Oakland would be eighth at 3.42. If we go with some of your more standard bullpen numbers, like, I don't know, ERA, uh, let's check on that one. Cleveland comes in at fourth in baseball at 3.39. San Diego is actually leading at 2.88 ERA. Oakland comes in at seventh, right behind Cleveland, 3.58. If we look at whip, uh, which is always a good one to look at for these bullpens, San Francisco Giants are actually leading all of of bullpens in whip at 1.09. Cleveland checks in at 10th at 1.27. Oakland would be 7th at 1.23. So depending on which stat you want to use, there's some different ways to look at who really has the best bullpen. Uh, How about strikeouts per nine? Because we know Cleveland loves the strikeouts. Yeah, we check in at 4th at 10.54. Milwaukee's leading at 10.82. So it's really close for the top there. Uh, Oakland is not a big strikeout bullpen. They're actually last in Ks per nine innings at 7.74. But on this night, their bullpen was absolutely spectacular. Manaya gets destroyed in this game, half by the Indians hitters, half just by the weather and the humidity. And uh, I went for a run last night in Cleveland, and it was hot and muggy and I was dripping with sweat, and I'm sure Manaya was too out there throwing 69 pitches in only an inning and two-thirds. He can't even make it out of the second inning. And this is not the first time we face Manaya. Uh, Manaya faced us coming out of the All-Star break. In that game, he does a little better. He still takes a no decision. He goes five and a third in that one, gives up seven hits, three runs, one home run, no walks, and seven strikeouts in that one. So a much better effort. Last night, he only lasts an inning and two-thirds, gives up five hits, three runs, all earned. No home runs on this one, but the three walks would hurt him. 
and two strikeouts. The walks would probably drive him out of the game because it just took so many pitches to get there. So after that, though, Birch Smith comes in and dominates for three and a third innings, right? Gets out of the second and goes another three innings for them. That was huge. Only gives up one hit, no runs, no walks, two strikeouts on 40 pitches uh, to basically like double the output that Manaya had. A.J. Puck comes in, goes a clean inning with two strikeouts. Petit comes in, goes a clean inning, no strikeouts, just nine pitches, gets the job done. Romo comes in, does walk to, gets into trouble, but gets out of it. Uh, Trevino comes in to pitch the ninth. He also with a leadoff walk, but he's able to limit the damage on 10 pitches, so he really went to work. And then Andrew Chafin, in the 10th inning with Miles Straw on, he has a clean inning, including a strikeout on only seven pitches. So they were being very aggressive against him. And that strikeout was Bradley Zimmer on three straight fastballs, I believe. So that's the bullpen numbers for the athletics. And we just one hit, one hit, and it was off Birch Smith, one hit off their bullpen the entire night. Uh, meanwhile, our bullpen got roughed up a little bit more. Shaw has a walk and a strikeout after relieving McKenzie in the seventh. He has a, a you know no runs given up in that inning, no hits. Karinchek gives up two hits and a run, gives up the game-tying run. Klasse does the job, holds the lead in the ninth inning despite a hit and a walk. But Nick Wickren cannot hold things in the tenth inning with that runner on second. It looks like he might get out of it, but gives up a two-out double uh, to left field to bring in that go-ahead run in the 10th. And that's what the 10th inning is designed for. That's absolutely what the 10th inning is designed for, to make it really easy to bring in a run and get the game finished. And Oakland is able to get the job done against our bullpen. Now, uh, Karen Check's inning was rough. Um, Let's go over to that eighth inning and let's see what they did against him. I think the uh, I think the lack of sticky stuff. I mean, his spin rate is still down. I think it's really hurting him because he had. Let me check the uh, player breakdown here to confirm. But I believe that Karinchak had zero swing and miss, and that's right. On thirteen fastballs, they swung seven times. On five curveballs, they swung twice. Zero whiffs for Oakland hitters against Karinchek. And that just is not the Karinchek we're used to seeing. This guy is a whiff machine with those high fastballs and those, you know, snapping off curveballs. But the spin is down on his fastball, almost 264 RPM from his yearly average. And his curveball spin is down 148 RPMs. And that means the fastball lift. The spin holds the fastball up there. Uh, the vertical break on his fastball was averaged 17 inches yesterday. His yearly average is 12 inches. You don't want the four-seam fastball to break. You want it to stay up there. Uh, the break on his curveball is about the same. That stays the same from his yearly average. 49. He averaged 49 inches yesterday. Your uh, yearly average is 48. So the curveball isn't as effective, but the four-seam fastball is, and I think that's something you're probably seeing across the league, right? The spin on that fastball helps it stay up, ride up in the zone. And if you look at his pitch location, yeah, he is 
he is down a little bit with that fastball. Did not get as many to the top of the zone. There were a few. There were a few up there. We got about four at the top of the zone there. But some of them were dropping into the zone. Let's see uh, where those hits were located. Both of them were at the belt. Both of them forcing fastballs at the belt. One to Starling Marte and one to Matt Olson. Both singles. So yeah, so exit velocity 104 for Matt Olson. Exit velocity 95.7 for Starling Marte. So Karinczak putting those fastballs in the zone, it ends up hurting him. So uh, that's what was going on. That was the big storyline in this one. I mean, neither team had a ton of hits. It was eight hits for Oakland, six hits for Cleveland. Um, but the hits came late for Oakland as opposed to Cleveland, who did most of their damage early in this game. So let's finish things up with the bullpens here because obviously the 10th innings play a major role in this game. And, uh, you know, it's a tough job going out there and doing that 10th inning, especially with a new rule and that runner starting on second base. Uh, For them, the runner starting on second was Elvis Andrews. So they had a speedy guy. For us, it was Miles Straw. We had a speedy guy. So at least that is even. Uh, And Wickren starts off like he could get out of it. He strikes out Mark Canna. And uh, sorry, that H in there really messes you up trying to say that guy's name. And uh, let's go to the uh, breakdown here and let's see what he threw him. So it was a tough at bat. He goes six pitches, finally gets him on a changeup that's up and in that he really has no business swinging at. This should have been ball four. But Canna does him a favor and uh, sits down on the bench with a strikeout. After that, Starling Marte would come up. Marte would actually swing at the first pitch and ground out to Jose Ramirez at third base. It was a changeup that he got for the first pitch. Only hits it at 70.1 mile per hour exit velocity, so it's a good pitch from Wickren. Uh, I thought Jose Ramirez did an interesting thing here because Elvis Andrews was running to third. Elvis Andrews moves up to third. And, uh, I mean, if if Jose Ramirez looks at him, I think he could have just tagged him out. But instead, he throws, he comes up charging, and he's, he's kind of moving ahead of the base and decides just to throw to first base, take his momentum and throw to first. Uh, after they intentionally walk Matt Olsen, you can't blame him on that one. I mean, Olsen is a great hitter. Jed Lowry comes up, gets an outside pitch, and shoots it into the left field. And that's just a good job by a lefty. Is it the fact that he threw him three fastballs in a row? He fouls off the first one in, takes the second one high for a ball. The third one is on the outside edge. Not a bad pitch, but you just threw him two fastballs in a row, all at the same speed, all at the same speed, you know, break. Uh, He's ready for it. And he shoots it in the left field, 95.7 mile per hour exit velocity. And it one hops the wall or bounces off the wall out there in left field for a go-ahead double. So, you know, Nick Wickren, maybe, maybe go with, you know, mix in a changeup or something there. Mix in something to keep that guy off balance. I mean, his other pitches, it's not like his other pitches weren't working for him on the day. Uh, He did throw the changeup and slider a couple of times. But maybe something to throw off the timing just a little bit there as opposed to three straight fastballs against a very good hitter who, frankly, in the first series out in um, out in Oakland did a lot of damage against us. He's able to get out of it with Tony Kemp. He gets him to ground out. So now we start 
with that runner on second. And I'm surprised Miles Straw never tried for third. They don't bunt him over with Ahmed Rosario. I mean, Ahmed Rosario is one of our hottest hitters right now. So they let them swing away. And I mean, frankly, I mean, it's not a bad swing. He lines out at 108.2 miles per hour to Matt Chapman at third base. So I can't really fault him there for hitting a rope just right at somebody on the second pitch of the at-bat on an inside fastball. Uh, so yeah, can't blame him on that one. But again, you got to get that runner to third. All you need is one run. And you know what? We might have got it if we got that runner to third, but we never move him over. For some reason, Jose Ramirez is very aggressive at a low pitch here. He also takes two pitches in his at-bat. A forcing fastball low he takes for a ball pretty much at the feet. And then he swings over a sinker, hits it hard, 104.6, also to Matt Chapman at third base. This one's a ground out, holds straw at second. And then Bradley Zimmer comes up and swings at three hard sinkers in a row. 90 mile per hour sinkers, 91 mile per hour sinkers. The first one is inside, ball should have been ball one. Second one was inside, should have been ball two. Third one actually was a strike, and he just whiffs at it. Now, here's the interesting situation. Bradley Zimmer pinch ran for Fermil Reyes. And you just, like, it was the right call at the time because it was the go-ahead run. It was a chance for the go-ahead run. He's able to steal second base, so he's able to make some things happen on the base paths. But you just, oh, when you do that, you just have this feeling like that spot in the batting order is going to come around again. And sure enough, Fermil Reyes would have been the last hitter of the game facing a lefty uh, in progressive field, the place where he loves to hit, and had a chance to be the winning run, but instead it's Bradley Zimmer and he strikes out. Vermeil Reyes had his chance earlier. He came up with two runners on and struck out. Uh, I believe that's when Manaya was pulled from the game. So it was after Ahmed Rosario had singled. It was after Jose Ramirez had walked. Ahmed Rosario's single is what brought in my uh, Miles Straw. And then uh, it's the first batter for Birch Smith. And he just goes high, high, high with everything. Takes the first one high for a ball. It's mostly fastball. Mixes in one changeup on the second pitch, which he also misses high. So he's up 2-0 in the count. And then just starts swinging at these high fastballs. He keeps throwing them the same pitch. Finally, the sixth one actually is down in the strike zone. And he just swings through it and misses. So the high fastballs from Birch Smith do in for Miel Reyes there, and he was pissed. I mean, he was ready to he was ready to snap that bat. He was ready to throw that bat, frankly, into the fencing. Um, he had a restraint. He was like Happy Gilmore. He had to restrain himself. Uh, so for Miel Reyes, had his chance earlier in the game and couldn't deliver. Uh, so speaking of earlier in the game, let's talk about Tristan McKenzie here. Uh, Tristan McKenzie goes six innings, four hits, two earned runs, one walk, five strikeouts, did give up a solo home run on 86 pitches, was hard hit only six times. It's really good for McKenzie, who was just absolutely pounding the strike zone in this one. His pitch mix, it's good swing and miss on most of his pitches. It's a 31% CSW on his four-seam fastball, which he threw 54 times, six whiffs, 11 called strikes. Uh, on the slider, on nine swings, five whiffs, he threw that 17 times. It's good for a 53% CSW on his slider. Mix in four called strikes there. On the curve, which he threw 15 times, eight swings, three whiffs, 
two called strikes. It's good for a 33% CSW, 36% CSW total on the day. So it's a really good pitch mix from Tristan McKenzie. However, the thing about that four-seam fastball is it's what did all the damage against him. Uh, For some reason, one of the pitches is just not showing up on the illustrator. I don't know if it's because another pitch is in the exact same location, but I can tell you that it was all four hits were four-seam fastballs. Uh, Murphy's double off of him was a four-seam fastball, uh, and the home run from Seth Brown was a four-seam fastball that was just up on the first pitch of the at-bat. Threw him one up and out over the plate, and he drills it for a home run. So his strikeouts were good. His strikeouts were all down. Most of them were breaking balls down. Uh, gets Starling Marte with a slider. Gets uh, Jed Lowry with a curveball. Gets Jed Lowry actually with two curveballs down and into the lefty. Gets Matt Olson with a curveball down in the zone. And does use a fastball to get Mark Canna um, in the uh, fifth inning on an 0-2 count. So really blew him away. Uh, McKenzie, once he gave up that home run, and then really once um, Elvis Andrews lined out to uh, right field, which Oscar Mercado made a great diving catch on that one, a play, play where he was already playing a little bit shallow. Uh, it's the best thing Oscar Mercado would do on the day because he would go 0 for 4. Uh, that's another storyline, by the way. We shut down Elvis Andrews in the ninth spot. The guy who has like the best career betting average against us ever uh, ends up going 0 for 4. However, he does score a run in that 10th inning as the pinch runner on second base. Um, yeah, once once he gives up that line drive to Elvis Andrews, he really locks in. This is in the fifth inning. So Elvis Andrews starts the fifth inning with a line out. Seth Brown had just hit the home run in the fourth inning to get the game close. Uh, he strikes out Mark Canna on that fastball, strikes out Starling Marte on that slider, strikes out Olsen on that curveball to start the sixth, strikes out Lowry on that curveball in the sixth, hits Josh Harrison with the pitch, but then picks him off while Sean Murphy is batting. So his last out, he doesn't even have to throw a pitch on. It's a pickoff of Harrison that ends the sixth, and that would end his night. So talk about finishing strong from Tristan McKenzie. And he didn't face Oakland last time we were out there. So this is his first time facing him, maybe in his career. And uh, going over to his Fangraphs page, going over to the game logs on Fangraphs, just to see what was different on this night for him. Uh, First pitch strikes, my God, his highest of the season at 82.6% first pitch strike. One of his highest of the season at 15.1% swinging strike. So good job of him getting back up into the mid-teens for swinging strikes. Uh, He averages 12.1% swinging strikes on the season. But the Oakland hitters were being really patient against him. I mean, his last outing against Toronto, which was a good outing, uh, they swung at 60% of the time. Last night, they only swung 48.8% of the time. Uh, So back down to a little bit normal for him, his average on the year is 45.9% team swinging against him. So back down to a little bit more normal from Toronto, who was very, very aggressive against him. Uh, so yeah, so it's a good job by him. A limited contact too, as contact was down. 69% contact percentage, whether it was in the zone or out of the zone at all pitches. Uh, his yearly average was 73.5% contact. So you know, keeping that contact down, first pitch strikes, swinging strikes were up. It was a really, 
really good outing from Tristan McKenzie. A few people got him. A few people got his fastball. It's going to happen. They're major league hitters. But I thought it was a really impressive outing. And that's why I'm giving uh, Tristan McKenzie MVP for the day. Really, really solid start from McKenzie, uh, who unfortunately takes a no decision in this one. Uh, I mean, offensively, there's not much to really go on here. Straw and Ahmed Rosario at the top of the order uh, both had two hits. They were both two for five. Straw adds in a double to that. Ahmed Rosario adds an RBI into that. They both scored a run. They really were the only thing going for this offense, and it was early in the game. I mean, we score three runs in the first and the second. It looks like, I mean, if Manaya stays in that game a little bit longer, who knows the damage we could have done with them. I mean, they really make the call to go to Birch Smith at the right time. But uh, the speed at the top of the lineup, one of Ahmed Rosario's hits was another infield single, pulling Olsen off of first base and beating Manaya to the bag. Straw flying around the bases, coming in to score was huge. Um, so once again, speed at the top of the lineup definitely has an impact on this game. Uh, but nobody could really deliver the big hit behind them. Harold Ramirez did in the first inning. A two-out single up the middle brings in the first run of that game. That was a really big hit there um, to kind of get the Indians' offense rolling. You didn't want to waste that opportunity. Uh, and then the other RBI on the day would go to uh, Ahmed Rosario. Uh, technically, the other run scored was an unearned run because the ball was bobbled out in left field. So Straw kind of gets robbed of an RBI driving in Ernie Clement, uh, who scored all the way from first after a very strange double play. Uh, Owen Miller starts the second inning. Let's go over to that inning and see how that one went down. A very strange play. Owen Miller starts with a nice single in the right field. Austin Hedges walks, moves him up to second. Ernie Clement basically hits a line drive that just just one hops the shortstop, Andrews. And it's the kind of situation where you're taught on a line drive, you have to go back to the bag. I mean, it's only an 8-degree launch angle. It's an 83.1 mile-per-hour exit velocity from Ernie Clement. And you're taught a line drive, you hold the bag. And that's exactly what Owen Miller does. Unfortunately, it actually one hops Elvis Andrews. And this is exactly why the infield fly rule is the infield fly rule so that the runners aren't hung out to dry like Owen Miller was just hung out to dry in this one. So he does it right. He holds the bag, sees it's one hop, knows he has to run because the force is on. They quickly get the ball to second base, and Harrison throws to third to tag out the runner Miller, who had no chance, frankly. I mean, he had absolutely no chance. He was hung out to dry. You almost wish that would have been a pop-up instead of a line drive so they could have called the infield fly rule, right? And save the runners... Uh, from themselves, but Miles Straw is able to deliver deliver a clutch double to actually create some action in this inning when you thought Manaya was going to get out of it. So, and then Rosario singles, Jose Ramirez walks, and then Fermil Reyes strikes out to Birch to end that threat. So that's how it went down offensively for the Indians. So that is all my thoughts on this one. Frankly, it was a really competitive game where the bullpen for Oakland was just absolutely dominant. Now the question is. Did they burn themselves out? What will Oakland's bullpen have in the tank? Because there are two games left in this series. Two games that are going to be played in less than 24 hours. So we'll see how hot and muggy it is uh, for them tonight. And then they turn around and play a day game on Thursday. Um, 
pitching tomorrow for Cleveland. It's going to be Quantrill on the mound, who probably is our best starter right now. I mean, I hate to say it, but yeah, Quantrill, a guy who really didn't look like he was going to have it in spring training, starts in the bullpen, looks good in the bullpen, has really settled in as a starter. 3-2 and two with a 3-1-4 ERA. He's going against Montas for Oakland. And then on Thursday, Eli Morgan, still looking for that second win of his career, is going against Bassett, who's been one of the best pitchers for Oakland. So we'll see what the Indians can do. Can they get back to 500 tonight? Can they maybe take this series after losing the first one to Oakland? Didn't we do that the first time coming out of the All-Star break? Didn't we lose that first one? Yeah, we lost four to five, and then we came back and won the next two to take the series. So let's see if history will repeat itself. All right, that's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. Again, the final from Cleveland. It's the Oakland Athletics 4, the Indians 3. We'll be back tomorrow to talk Cal Quantrill. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Baseball Morning.